Your hat's ugly. What? That is so disrespectful. I was just letting you know. That is so disrespectful. I was just letting you know your hat's ugly. I'll let that slide. Okay. I let it slide because we finna win the ship again. It's either us or the Spurs. I mean, we're we're both. It's it's actually it's either us or us because you know I ride with both. I I think you mean the Warriors or the Suns. The Warriors aren't winning it. Clay's gonna. I'm all for Clay. He's gonna come back. And he's gonna tear it up. He's gonna be a stud. He ain't gonna be like, what are you? You gonna give him some? You gotta give him a year to get back to where he but was. But like, all he's really the most he's been is a defensive player and a dime of a three point shooter. True. Yeah. Like he's a catch and shoot guy. Yeah. So he doesn't need for, to be using his Achilles that much. I, I agree. I agree. They can slowly. I mean, they got the one seed anyway. They can slowly work him in. I agree. The Suns are not winning the ship. Okay. I they're, don't doubt that. They're they're good. Chris Paul's too old. They need if they want to win a ship, they need a max player that is better than Chris Paul. The Warriors aren't winning it because Devin Booker's better than Chris Paul. He is hundred percent, hundred percent. You want me to disagree with that? No, no. I'm. You said they need someone that's better than Chris Paul. Devin need, Booker's better than Chris they, Paul. I'm saying, I'm saying for the money they're paying him, they're paying um, Chris Paul max contract. Oh, so they need a, a they need different a, max contract. Yeah, that player. Okay. that money needs to be to somebody better. Okay. Um, Warriors, no chance. No chance. They need to trade all those young guys for. They're missing two of their Bradley starters, Bill. and they're still number one. Are you playing the Pistons, you playing the. I mean. They beat the Suns. No, yeah, they're winning games. I'm saying, come playoff time, get Bron, get LA Bron, get LA Bron out there. They ain't winning no games. Bro, I hope LeBron James fails. Yeah. And I hope he has zero excuses. I hope everyone plays well on the Lakers team except him, so he has no excuses for why he lost. Yeah. I'm definitely. That's my hope. I'm definitely not for LeBron as a role model or social activist, but <laughs> tell you what, on the court, in between the the 94 by 50, whatever it is, he ride or die. I'm with him. I used to I like his playing style a lot. I don't like his managing style or his life outside of basketball. I can get on board. I, I respect his dedication to his family, but outside of that, yeah, yeah, well, mm. yeah. So Viva Los Spurs. That's how Viva Los Spurs. Viva Los Spurs. Oh, all right, guys. Uh, howdy, uh, howdy. Wiley, Wiley that coyote. Sorry, continue. That's our mascot, what? Wiley that coyote. Is this a spur? That's a Spurs that's mascot. Spurs mascot. Wiley the coyote. I really assumed it was going to be a spur, but I don't make the rules. Okay, cool. Anyways, well, what's <laughs> up, guys? It's Cole and Trey back with the Cole and Cole Show. Before we get started, like, share, and subscribe. Um, leave a comment. Leave a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, mean a lot to us. We're going to jump right in, and we are going to be talking about how we are called as Christians to serve in a consumeristic Christianity. Um, so, Cole, do you want to get us started and kind of break down what that title filled with a bunch of C mm-hmm. words means? Consumeristic Christianity. Um, and this is kind of based on your blog. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I guess I kind of coined yeah. that title. Yeah, I don't know if you where, where you got it from, but... My head... Yeah, so that's I mean, Trey Cole's making waves out here in the uh, blog world, but consumeristic, consumeristic Christianity. I actually copy. I'm so, I, I'm copywriting Trey's words. It's the preoccupation of society with the acu acquisition of consumer goods. So it's the. Cons- I wrote that. Yeah, it's word for word what you said. Uh, oh, I got that from the internet. And you did <laughs> not cite this source. And you did not. There's only one source cited at the bottom. That's crazy. I know. There is a source cited, you but like, you if you Google consumerism definition, okay, th- Google cited. 
But outside of the definition, it's the fixation of all human beings to be kind of covet covetous, kind of like mm-hmm. desiring the con- consummation, the consumption, not the consummation, the consumption of goods. And that's our society. We're going to consume uh, media. We're going to consume like, you know, we're, we're finding a spouse, the spouse that makes us, you know, fills our needs. You know, it's a very me centered society. So then everything else is made for me and how I consume it and how I interact with everything is based on my affections, my desires, my likes, my dislikes. Would you, uh, would you say that's kind of kind of inappropriate? Yeah, I think that uh, because of that, because of that soup, uh, consumeristic mindset that is very pervasive in America, that then affects our the way that we see Christianity, right? And so that's like consumerism when that controls us, when that consumes us, that begins to um, hurt our relationship with Jesus because then not only are we consumers, but we are consumer consumeristic Christians. Mm. So we pull up to church on a Sunday morning and we think, man, what is church going to give me? What can I get from church instead of saying, hey, what can I give to my church? And that's kind of what the blog talks about that's posted on Brothers Reborn, the website. Um, it's talking about how when we go to church, there are certain um, roles that we play, right? So whenever you accept Christ, you are given spiritual gifts, which we talked about few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and you are given these gifts to glorify God and to build up the body of Christ. So how do you do that? Well, you're involved in the local church, right? If you pull up to church every Sunday and every Wednesday and you show up, you sit there and you take in a great message, you write down all of the notes in the world, and then you walk out the door and don't serve, you are not being obedient to your call as a Christian because you are taking everything in but you are then called to pour yourself back out. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to read, uh, I don't know, the, the, the verse you quoted was 1 Corinthians 12. I think 1 Corinthians, so last time we did that episode on spiritual gifts, we talked about like 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. Kind of mentioned 12, but most of this blog and you know what we're talking about is based on 1 Corinthians 12, I feel yeah. like. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12 through 20, and I'll let you, I'll read it. 12 I'll, what through 20? 1 Corinthians 12. 12 through 20. Okay, cool. Um, And I'll just read it. I'll give a quick thought and I'll throw it back to you. Sick. So it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the bodies of, or all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So the quick thought I'll say, you know, throw it over the tray, would be is instead of having that perspective, you know, saying, hey, I'm an eye or I'm an ear, I serve my specific function in my local church body. I think what we often will say would be is there is an eye, there is an ear, 
there's a foot, a toe, a left toe, middle toe, right big toe, you know. Um, and I am a receiver of the fruits of that the body is producing and putting out, and I'm receiving that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not actually a part of the body because I'm not on staff. You know, I'm not a... Uh, affiliated or maybe like a you know a full member you know mm-hmm. which that's another church membership's a whole different thing but i'm just receiving the fruits of other people what would, what would you say yeah i think that's true i think that a lot of times that's what we do when we step into church we don't see ourselves as part of the body in the idea that we need to serve and have a role to fulfill we see ourselves as part of the body because we simply show up yeah. and that's not what that is uh, we'll kind of w- walk through that verse by verse real quick. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 essentially talks about how um, we are saved by one spirit in one faith and for Jesus, right? So all Christians are saved in one spirit for Jesus by faith, right? Um, Ephesians 4, I think it's 6, says that we should desire, maybe it's 3, I think it's 3, says that we should desire unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. Right, So as Christians, we should desire to be unified in the spirit because we all share the same one. We all share one spirit. We should desire to be unified in peace. Right, So if I have an issue with Cole, I need to go resolve that issue Mm. because Cole and I need to be unified because we both have the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit living inside me is living inside Cole. Right, There's nothing that Cole has extra just because he has has different gifts, um, just because he might have different opinions on something doesn't mean that we're saved with a different spirit. So we should be able to have unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. Um, and then in verses 14 through whenever I stop reading, it says, uh, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. It is not for this reason, any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason, any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Right? And then it says, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. What that's saying is that there's not one mem- one member, there's many. Kind of like how you were saying, different, different toes, different parts of the body, different, your hands, your feet, they serve different roles, right? My feet help me walk. My hands help me grab things. Same thing with the body of Christ. You are designed for a purpose. You have a role, um, and it looks different than other people's. My role at my local church may look different than Cole's role if we're in the same local church, right? Um, Even within the college ministry, whenever we were on staff, we served different roles. I was over the the open gym. Cole's over the the media. We we serve different roles. We reach different people. We fulfill different needs. But if we were not faithful to be obedient, we were not faithful to serve, then we would not be meeting the needs that need to be met, right? I don't know if that was a lot of words right there. We would not be needing the needs that needs that need to be meeting met. Meeting the needs that needed to be met, that need to be met. A lot of needs in there. A lot of needs, a lot of mets too, or meets. <laughs> um, and then it says that God has placed the members, each one of them in the body just as he desired, right? So that's verse 18. So we don't choose our spiritual gifts. Cole doesn't choose what his spiritual gifts are. I don't choose what my spiritual gifts are. That's not our role. That is God's design. That is God's role. 
he chooses what gifts, what spiritual gifts to give us. Um, and then we are called to be faithful with what we are given. We are called to be obedient and to use those gifts to glorify God and to build up the body of Christ. And then starting in verse 19, it says, If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there, so that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so there are many parts, but one body. While we serve different roles in our church, we do it for one purpose, right? That is to glorify God. That is so that we may be unified in the Spirit, right? And through our glorification, our glorification of God and our obedience to use our gifts the way that He's called us, we then build up the body of Christ. And so without each member serving their role, the body cannot function the way it's designed to. It requires you to be obedient to God, to be faithful, to be good stewards of what you've been given. Yeah, I think and I think this is where we jump in and we trump and absolutely destroy the wrong viewpoint, right? And I say this in absolute love, right? But I'm being challenging that, you do i i don't have a role in church i don't have a role to play a job to do in church if you have the holy spirit you have a role okay so that is i mean uh let's look at the statistic from your your paper which is highly concerning cuz um it says this is from Trey's blog it says in a pew research study from 2015 while well, less than half of the members of an evangelical protestant churches would say they are highly active but even Pew Research's qualifications for being considered highly active do not, do not include serving in the church. All that is required by Pew Research to be highly active is to be a member, attend weekly services on Sundays, and attend a scripture or prayer meeting, Bible study, etc. at least once a month. Even with these low standards of only 43%, I'm sorry, even these low standards, only 43% of evangelical Christians are considered highly active. Believe it or not, this number gets scientifically worse. I think you meant significantly worse. You said scientifically worse. Significantly, significantly worse. worse. When looking at the average of mainline Protestant denominations, 20%. And when looking at Catholicism, 16%. Have you so posted the blog yet? Huh? Have you posted the blog? I haven't posted it yet. Great. I'll correct that. Cool. Yeah, so you meant significantly. Yeah, significantly. <laughs> um, but what you see here, the reason I read this, there's a significant portion of believers in the world or in america because it's specifically america mm -hmm. they're not using the gifts god has given them they're not living and obeying really it's obedience because mm -hmm. there's an aspect of um and it's, it's it's both there's no extremes but i'm gonna say obedience you you have to obey the command that lord the lord says in first corinthians 12 that he has distributed his gifts among his people and that the church is missing out the fact that you are not using them so there's a large portion of American Christians, Christians who happen to live in America, that are at home or who are 
not building up the church and the church is hurting because y'all aren't getting out there and serving and giving. Um, so that's what I want to say is I wanted to address the issue of saying it is not okay for us to go on Sundays and go home. It's okay. And, and, and of course, there's scenarios where, you know, we have work, we have commitments, you know, that those, all the scenarios, hypothetical situations, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying you go to church and that's the extent of your Christian life on a Sunday morning. There needs to be, uh, we would like to challenge you in stepping out in faith because you are an eye or an ear or a arm or a leg that that church is missing out on. They don't have an arm. It's cool to have an arm. You know, you can have one hand. You'd be cool to have two. You can max- be cool to have two. You can maximize, you know, what the Lord can do through you, but it has to have Christians that are willing to deny themselves and will be obedient to what the Lord's design in their life is, which is to be giving and serving in their local body. Yeah. And I think that the biggest hindrance for us is that Satan tells us one of two lies. One, he will tell you that you don't actually have a job. It's okay. It's it's actually good to just show up, um, listen to a good sermon, sing some good songs, and leave. Right? He'll lie to you and say that you don't have a role to serve in at your local church. Or the second thing he'll do if that doesn't work is he'll say, yeah, you might have a role to serve. You might have something you're supposed to do, but it's a pretty small role anyway. So if you don't do it, no one's going to notice. It's not that important. So why waste your time doing it, right? If I don't go pick up those chairs that I'm that I volunteered um, to pick up, then someone else will pick them up. So that's okay. I'll just leave early, um, and and someone else will do it. No one else is going to notice. Yeah. Or man, and I used this example when we were teaching um, a few weeks ago. If I don't, if I show up and hold this door, a couple people might come through. But if I don't show up and hold the door, like it's not that big a deal for a couple people to to open it and walk in. You know, it's, it's little things like that, that picking up chairs has a big difference, especially if you've got a church with a high turnaround rate, like Central, on Wednesday night after the vote for Patrick, immediately after that, we were setting up and tearing down, getting ready for college stuff, mm-hmm. right? If someone was volunteered to do that, I mean, we obviously have people that are on staff to do that, but if we had volunteers do that and one said, actually, you know, it's not that important, someone else will do it, I'm going to leave early, and then left his section. Then we've got chairs still sitting there. We're not ready for the, for the next event, mm. right? Or Sunday morning, you're supposed to be there holding doors, greeting people, shaking their hand, telling that we're glad to see them there today. What if it's a new member or someone that's never been to church before, just down, having a bad day, and, be, and ready to be receptive to Jesus when they walk in? But yeah. instead of the first thing them seeing is an open door with someone with the joy of the Lord, they see a closed door that they have to open and they walk in, never talk to anyone and walk out, mm-hmm. right? That can be the difference is holding the door open, is setting up and taking down the chair so that we can start the next event on time to reach people for the gospel. So it's those little things, those little ways of serving that Satan tells us that's not really that important, right? You'll be okay if you don't do it. Someone else will, um, but in reality, all of those little things, they really do matter. I think, I think there's two, two sides. I mean, they're, it's, I'm, I was about to say there's two sides, but they're the same thing. You're talking about specific gifts, specific roles, picking up chairs, practical things. You know, there's a, the, the spiritual leader, the pastor, 
There's mm-hmm. the staff members. There's the volunteers, the door holders, people picking up chairs. There's specific roles that need to be met. But then on the broad sense of just showing up and, and pouring out love mm-hmm. <clears throat> on other people. You know what I'm saying? You know, so I don't like to do hypothetical situations all the time, but I feel like it would be valid here. You know, a person walks in, they're broken, they have gone through extreme hurt and trial. They walk in and what if we, there, there was no one there to hold the door that day and no one talked to them that day. No one came and sought them out and loved on them that day and really cared for them. They could leave church and not experience. They could experience, they could hear the gospel obviously and transfer, trans, you know, but God works mm-hmm. through his people. He, he pairs desires with us. to work through his people. Yeah, exactly. So, and I was once that person who would walk in, you know, and I met Ivan Adams. You know, Ivan was... What Ivan up? has never met a stranger. What up, dog? You know, talk to me. What's up? How are you? You know what I'm saying? But the way we love people, like, if like because he first loved us, we have it on hoodie, right? He loved us, so I want to just pour out my love on other people, make them feel loved. I want to serve other people because I want them to know the love Jesus has for him and the sacrifice he had on the cross. And if we don't show up to church to do, of course, this manifest in specific giftings, you know, specific roles we have to follow, i.e., I don't know if that's even useful, i.e., like pastor, chairholder, like the job descriptions I just said. But think about just in a broad sense. Show up and love. But if you show up and you don't, if you, and you skip you know, your job that day, you're also skipping loving that day. You're also skipping, you know, serving. It, it, you get you get the point. Yeah. But I think like, that's an important decision. Come with right? open eyes, open hands, and an open heart. Yeah. Be ready to hear a message, but also be ready to pour yourself out. Mm. Right? And I think one thing we also think a lot of times when I was growing up, I was like, you know, it's the pastor's job to, to run the church. Like, he's the one in charge. So he, he needs to be doing a lot of it. When in reality, the pastor is one person. The pastor is called to preach and to shepherd the congregation, right? So the pastor should be spending the bulk of their time um, preparing to teach, right? So that should be more than three, four, five, six hours a week of preparing to teach, right? It should be every week, hours and hours of research and preparing that we as the normal congregation, the everyday congregation, we don't see that. We just see them up on stage for 30 or 45 minutes preaching, we don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes of their research and their understanding of the of the section, the, the passage they're preaching on. Um, and they're also meeting up with um, with members of the congregation throughout the week. If there's a member that is, you know, is having a hard week or something happens, the pastor should be one of the first people there, right? Because the pastor is a shepherd of the congregation, caring for the congregation. And so we as, as Christians who are not called to be the pastor of this specific congregation, right? Um, we have a role. The pastor is not called to fulfill our role. He's called to fulfill his role. Mm-hmm. We are called to fulfill our role. So don't just throw um, your job onto the pastor because that is not being fair to him, to you, and that is dishonoring to God. And I think there's another aspect to this consumeristic Christianity that let's step away from, you know, the first Corinthians 12, the way he has designed his local body to be, I'm sure the people who are staying home, that large percentage of, you know, the stat I just read, they're probably 
don't have the most intimate relationship with the Lord either. Mm -hmm. Their prayers probably often hinge on themselves. They're always praying for themselves. They're always praying for, you know, me, 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 me. It's not a bad thing. I pray for myself all the time. But you said it. Justin says it all the time. When you, I think the when call. When you pray for others. I think the call of the gospel is to lift your eyes off of yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's two two ways, two things outside of yourself. is the Lord and the people around you. Mm -hmm. And of course, you're going to pray, Lord, help me with you know, repentance, help me, you know, like whatever you're not going to, but when in the consumeristic Christianity, it's always a me fixated viewpoint of how is the church serving me? And oftentimes your spirituality, the way your relation with the Lord, that that's the way it will go as well as mm -hmm. me, me, me versus you begin to form, you know, over the past year, I began serving in the church. I began Seeking not only the interest of myself, but seeking the interest of other and the needs of others. And of course, that grows my relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's not the goal. The goal is not by praying for others, I want to grow my own relationship. Mm -hmm. But naturally, if you're praying and pouring out, you know, Justin said it today. He has prayed for so many college students and lifted their names to the Father. You form a love for people, which ultimately grows your love for the Lord. In his the way he's designed his body to function, um, it's weird how that works. It is so weird. How Almost that, like he designed it that way. Almost how he doesn't want you to be fixated on yourself. Yeah. It's Almost crazy. like how when you do what he says to do, it actually produces fruit and is good for you. That's kind of what I tell my boys at basketball. Whenever they Preach finally now. do what I tell them to do the first time, I'm like, wow. If we'd have all done that, it's weird how it works. It's crazy. Same thing with God. If we just do what he tells us to do. It works better for everyone. I'm telling you. You preaching now, son. I know. I preaching, but I mean, so let me ask you this question. The last question on the ball: Where do we go from here? What's your challenge to the people? Uh, so I think that the biggest challenge is to tear down our current perception of what church is, and to rebuild it through a biblical lens. Rebuild it in a way that recognizes that you have a role to play recognizes that your role is essential, even if it's small, and being content with the role that God has given you, fulfilling that well, and having a good attitude while doing it, right? So show up to church with an open hand, with open hands and open heart and open eyes, and see where you can serve, where God is calling you, and be faithful to fulfill that need. Praise God. I'm, uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. Hey, go check out his blog on brothersreborn.com or brothersrebornco.com and uh, read it. Watch the video. We'll put the video link. So we'll give you all a tool. Um, but yeah, go read the go read the blog. And uh, we'll see. Y'all leave a like, leave a comment if you want to write more blogs. Pretty good writer. I'm on them. I want to write more. So we'll see. <laughs> Let uh, me know what y'all want to hear about. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I could write, but I ain't as good as, I mean, there's some <laughs> limitations to that. I'll just tell you all that right now. But uh, that's all I got. That's all you got. Yep. That's all I got. Like, share, subscribe, leave a comment, follow us on Instagram. Um, give us some feedback. We really appreciate it. We love y'all and we'll see y'all in the next episode.